All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Sports Ethos Celtics podcast. My name, my name is Patrick Lounsbury. I'm here with my co-host, Lucas Gaynor, after another tough loss, back-to-back losses for the Celtics. This one at home to the hands of the Miami Heat, where the number one seed in the East. This game had some implications standing-wise. Tough loss to see by Boston, who kind of went MIA down the stretch. How are you feeling after tonight's game? Yeah, it was a tough loss. I mean, obviously, would be feeling better if it was a victory. You know, that's usually how these things go. But, uh, yeah, 106-98 loss. Uh, no shame in losing to a team as good as the Miami Heat, but definitely uh, some things that could have definitely went a lot better in the game tonight. I know we kind of talked about it before the show, but uh, turnovers, some offensive rebounds, and some missed layups and free throws really, I would say, are what cost the Celtics this game at the end of the day, Pat. Yeah, I think what uh, what we saw that really hurt the Celtics here was like consistently playing throughout the game and down the stretch. I felt like uh, the team kind of got a little more sloppy as the game went along and, and kind of went MIA in that fourth quarter. You know, you need your big-time players to show up in the big-time moments, and tonight we didn't have that in the fourth quarter. It seemed like the, the whole Celtics as a, as a roster kind of had a rough going when it came to the times getting really tough. Yeah, definitely did not execute our offense well down the stretch in that fourth quarter. Jason did not score in the fourth quarter until there was about two minutes left. I believe around that time frame, two and a half minutes left, I believe it was. Just a tough look down the stretch of the game. Like you said, Patrick, just things were not going the way we wanted them to, you know, in those high high pressure, high adversity moments. Um, you know, the Celtics started out the game, you know, launching threes. You know, which I don't love, obviously. You know, I don't love when the Celtics fall in love with the three, but they were hitting their three. So in the first half, it really wasn't that bad. But uh, those shots didn't end up going down pretty much the whole game. It's, I mean, it's not like that's what killed us, but, you know, the hot shooting definitely cooled off from the beginning. Yeah, the Celtics definitely did cool off from deep. Uh, overall, they shot 29%. So that was not great. Thought they could have been a lot better um, shooting from deep. Marcus Smart took 10 threes. That's never good. When Jason Tatum goes 0 for 5 from downtown, that doesn't help either. Uh, just not a real, real tough time. Also, we, we got word of um, successful um, surgery for Robert Williams. His timetable to return, he should be starting to work out and ramp up a little bit tomorrow. He's actually going to start doing some some drills and, and also working on that knee as he progressively is on his road back to playing with the Celtics. They're expecting a four- to six-week timetable for him. He had a minor procedure on that meniscus, uh, kind of just cuts him out the ligament, and uh, they're just going to roll with uh, that type of procedure. It looks like that was the one that was recommended by the doctors, not the one that he chose specifically. So not always great news to have a guy get a procedure done on his knee, especially one like that at, at this age, and that could definitely linger down the stretch. But Nice to hear that it was the best-case scenario as far as the injury goes, and the surgery went um, really good. Yeah, shout-out to Rob. Definitely good news to hear that, you know, he's going to be back during the playoffs. Um, glad the surgery went well. Glad he's going to be able to start rehabbing pretty quickly and, you know, hopefully get out there ASAP because I do think Rob's presence – or I should say his lack of presence was felt tonight. I mean, there was a lot – it felt like, you know, a lot of the buckets that – uh the heat ended up getting were easier buckets at the rim that maybe would not have been happening, you know, with Rob in the game. Same thing with the rebounds, 
you know, on both the offensive and the defensive end, uh, you could really feel the lack of Rob. Um, even though, and this is, and Patrick, see, this is why this is a little scary, right? Because Tice played about as well as you could have asked for, right? Offensively, at least. And uh, yes. we managed 98 points still. Only 98 points. So I think that just goes to show Rob's, you know, rim gravity, his role threat. Uh, it really goes to show how much that really opens up, um, you know, the court for guys like Jalen and Jason. Not that they were even bad tonight offensively. I think, like you mentioned, um, where Tatum really struggled was in, in the fourth, and then he went 0-5 from three, like you said. That's always going to hurt. But uh, I just – I just, man, Rob's impact to the game is not necessarily – you know, something that is very obvious to the untrained eye, but I think it's really apparent when he's not playing how you see the negative effects on our offense. And Yeah, um, fortunately, though, I thought the defense did play pretty well tonight, right? Especially for Agreed. a team that we gave up 16 turnovers. I would have thought that if we gave up 16 turnovers, I would have thought Miami scored 120-plus on us yeah. because that's just self-inflicting at that point. But I think Marcus Smart made – a pretty strong stamp as far as being in that defensive play of the year discussion. Uh, I thought he was phenomenal on defense, especially in that first half. He was making some crazy defensive stops, clogging the passing lanes, knocking balls off players, getting steals and, and doing electric style passes to, to get guys easy looks. Uh, Smart really is a menace on the defensive side of the ball. Really, put on a show during national TV to, to let people know like, Hey, the reason I think I should win the defensive play of the year as a guard for the first time since 1995 is right here. You know, that he just put that on to full display. Uh, I think he's making a very strong case uh, to make that defensive play of the year push. Also thought the Celtics in general, I thought Jason Tatum had some really good defensive moments throughout this game. I know, I know we might, we lost this game and I don't want to focus on the negative part of it, but there were some still really good things to see. Not having um, Robert Williams, you still saw a lot of good individual defense from some guys. No, 100%. Our defense, honestly, you know, was terrific still for the most part. I mean, they only scored 106 points. We really forced Tyler Hero into a lot of tough shots. Uh, the one area where we really, really lacked, I would say, um, was, you know, finding shooters. I mean, Struess kind of killed us from the outside. You know, at points there, same thing with Kyle Lowry. But outside of that, I mean, like you said, the Celtics defense was great. Smart was at the forefront of that in the first half. Just in the passing lanes, it felt like every other play. You mentioned Jason had some, you know, terrific individual sequences on defense. And uh, they kind of acknowledged it on the broadcast. But Tatum is just so good defensively. I mean, he's elite defensively. I think I, I think people throw that word around a lot, but I do think this is a fair you know, this is a fair use of the word. I think Tatum has truly been elite defensively. You can see it. Players don't like to attack him. He can block your shot. He can get your his hands on the ball like and get a steal, which we saw multiple times tonight. Um, he has been really phenomenal. So it was good to see our defense, you know, maintain a certain level of, you know, competitiveness and, you know, just overall ability during this. Yeah, and, and you can also – credit to Jason Tatum being so good individually and, and calling him elite. That really is a word that we don't like to throw around, but he really is elite defender. And there's a reason why a lot of people were comparing Jason Tatum to Paul George, as far as the comparisons of players. It was like, Hey, is Paul George or Jason Tatum better? You know? And, and that's been a kind of a question over the last like year, I believe a lot of people have, have brought up 
And just to point out, you know, Jason Tatum's averaging career highs in points and rebounds. That's 28. Um, well, he's at 27 and eight rebounds on the year. And that's honestly Paul George's best season. So Jason Tatum, fair comparisons with Paul George. I know Paul George has proven that he's been an elite defender for a lot longer stretch than Jason Tatum. But that is why those comparisons have kind of come up and, and no bias involved. And shout out to Paul George coming back from his injury as well the other day. Love seeing um, our superstars in, in the NBA in general come back and get healthy because that's always important. But on to Jason Tatum, like he's really leveled up. Like he's gotten to that level defensively. And I think he has the ability to really challenge people, um, whoever's kind of handling the ball, whether it's a guard or it's a forward, even big men. We saw him do it against Carl Anthony Towns in the Minnesota game as well. Jason Tatum has really leveled up defensively, and the switch defense doesn't bother him because he's able to defend one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I echo all of what you just said. I'm right there with you. There's a reason I'm calling him elite, and it's not just for fun. But, uh, yeah, it was good to see the defense, you know, uphold that, you know, same level we've been playing all year, even if we didn't end up winning this game. Um, you know, I do think, though, this answers some questions, Patrick. You know, a lot of Celtics fans talking about they would still want to play the Heat, okay, without Rob Williams. You know, I'm not saying we should take everything from this one game, but I think that's a little ridiculous. This is a team I do not want to play with or without Rob in the playoffs. Not because I think we would lose the series necessarily, but it's just going to be a dogfight. And, you know, we're going to have to scrap and claw for every win. Uh, This is not really a team. I know we blew them out twice, but the playoffs are a different game. This is not really a team I think you know, we could run away with in a series uh, and they're going to make our life pretty much a living hell. Uh, You know, the Heat are kind of that same way as the Celtics, you know. They're going to make you earn every single bucket. And they have guys who have been there. They have guys who have been not only to the finals but have won a championship before. So they have that experience. They have the great defensive coaching. Um, I think obviously the problem with the Heat is their half-court offense. Um, that's obviously the big question mark with them, but this is not a team Pat personally I want to run into in the playoffs. Not saying I'm scared of them, but this is just they're not close to the top of my list of teams. No, absolutely. And I, I think a tough draw for the Celtics would be like if they had to go through like a Toronto and then Miami. Like that would just be a tough draw with just how the style of play, right? When we talk about Toronto and Miami, is, is these teams play super, super physical. And that's all due respect to the rest of the teams in the East, but there's just a different level of intensity when you play those two ball clubs. And Miami really brings it every night, even when they're not shooting well. I didn't think they played their best um, tonight. I thought the Celtics and the Miami Heat played pretty poorly to what they're both capable to. And I thought defensively they both were pretty locked in. And that's what made this game kind of more of a sloppy, chippier type style. It definitely had that more playoff-esque type atmosphere. Not quite playoffs, but it's almost the closest thing you're going to get to as far as going in the regular season. Yeah, definitely. Um, Like you said, Raptors heat, that would be just absolute. The Celtics would be really worn out by the time they get to the heat if they ended up winning that series against the Raptors. Um, But the Heat are definitely not a team I'm looking forward to playing. I mean, like I said, their half-court offense is their big problem, but they have enough guys, enough shot makers to, you know, hold them over like Jimmy. Listen, I know we like to get the jokes off about his 9% from three, 19% from three. His mid-range is still good. He can still get to the line. He can still attack and kick and create for others. Kyle Lowry, we saw tonight, can still clearly shoot off the dribble. Uh, Bam is still that playmaking big man that everybody loves so much. Uh, 
who's a menace on the defensive end, but can, you know, handle the ball like almost nobody his size can handle it. Um, so the Heat are a legitimate threat. And uh, if you have a guy like Max Struess, who's just a knockdown shooter shooting with confidence, that can really help open up the court. And, you know, we we barely even saw what we felt like Duncan Robinson tonight, Patrick. I mean, we didn't really get killed by him tonight. And uh, he's was he seems to be in confidence. a little bit of the Miami Heat doghouse right now, huh? Yeah, it seems so. I guess so. But, uh, you know, they, people quickly touted him, you know, one of the best shooters in the world, and I do think he's a great shooter. Um, and he didn't even kill us tonight. It was the other guy, Struess, who, you know, it's painful to see because that's a former Celtic right there, Max Struess. They could use a player like Max Struess, couldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, I mean, I thought it was pretty interesting when Ime opened up this game and didn't like how the Celtics looked defensively to start out and just calls a timeout in less than a minute and 30 seconds. It was just like super quick timeout. And I was just like, oh, yeah, Ime, we're getting mad at Ime right off the rip. And it was like, what was the score? I think it was like 7-3, 5-3, something like that. We had like one three-pointer, and then they had like a three and a two. Yeah. They had their first two buckets, and they were just two easy buckets. And yep. it was 5-3, and, and he may just calls a timeout, gets the team together, and is like, man, lackluster defense. And some of the reasons why was, you know, one of those three-pointers early in the game, that's what that's happened with Max Struess, right? He was getting these open looks off of these pick and, uh, pick and rolls. Like they were going – when they were switching, they were switching under too late, and they were just – they were not hedging hard enough. They weren't putting, taking a, enough space away from their shooters. And that's where ultimately Matt Struess and also Kyle Lowry were able to to live. They they lived with that. They were like, all right, cool. You're going to give us a space. Then we're just going to pull up. We're just going to pull up. And Miami was able to hit enough shots tonight to make us pay for that. You know, we, And I also think that that's caused by not having a guy like Robert Williams, right? Because now you have to – if you over go on the top on shooters, then you're allowing the drive to be more there for teams. And if the drives are there more for teams, you don't have Robert Williams coming in for the help defense. And not only that, and not only that, Patrick, you got to put a guy like Al Horford into drop coverage, as opposed to just straight switching like you can with Rob, because you know you know how mobile Rob is on the perimeter. It, it's a double-edged sword there in what you're talking about. You don't have the rim protection, but you also don't have the you know the perimeter. Uh, versatility that Rob brings because listen I love Al Horford and I think he's done a good job sticking with guys but I think Ime is doing the right thing and putting him in drop coverage because with no Rob back there switching Al onto a guy like Hero or a guy like Lowry who can kind of you know go by him and break down the defense you know that's not going to lead to good things for the Celtics we're going to be scrambling and that's just going to lead to you know open layups and open threes um, so it is a double-edged sword, and I think, you know, even though our defense did play well tonight, Pat, like we mentioned, you still see those negative effects of no Rob. You still – Yeah, that's the rippling effect right there. Not only does not having Robert Williams kind of make your rim protection softer, but it also makes your perimeter defense play in a different way where it actually hurts them. And we saw that with the display of how the, the heat shooters were able to kind of take advantage of that. Um also, it was um, wanted to point out that that 259 mark. I know I touched on a little bit earlier, but Smartwith had a, like a really nice steal and a sweep behind the back pass to Tatum, who ended up getting the bucket. I thought that was a pretty cool sequence in the second quarter with 259 on there. If you want to go Wonderful. back, check that out. Yeah, that's prime Smart right there. He kind of hid behind, uh, hid behind Lowry. PJ Tucker throws the lazy bounce pass. Smart intercepts it, drops the behind the back dime. That is absolute like uh, stereotypical Smart right there. 
Love that. We also uh, didn't touch much on Jalen Brown just coming out this gate, like putting the whole entire Celtics offense on his back. Like he had like the first, I think it was nine or 11 points for the Celtics and then had the first assist too. So he contributed to like the first 14 points for the Celtics in this game, came out swinging and then he kind of just disappeared for the rest of the rest of the game. Uh, I know he did finish with a good amount of points, but ultimately Jalen Brown kind of went away as well. He, he wasn't big in the fourth quarter. Um, He did go into halftime with a solid 16 points. He was four or five from deep. And he, he was kind of rolling. He kind of was the Celtics offense. And I also wanted to point out that um, you, you touched on it before the show, but the the complaining from the Celtics players, right? You know, going into that halftime and everything and Jason Tatum getting a technical. I, I know Jason Tatum's probably at like at least 13 techs now, 14 techs. He's up there. He's, he's up there in techs this year. So just something that we want to see from – our star players and, and everybody overall is, is let's stop. Let's stop with the, the whining, man. Like that's not going to get you anywhere in the playoff series. If anything, those technicals are even bigger in a playoff game. Like that one free throw could be a difference maker down the stretch. And tonight, you know, having that one extra point could have changed a lot, you know? See, I, I totally get that. And I do think that's a valid point. See the complaining thing with me is more just, you need to have a, a next play type of attitude. And when you're complaining to the referee, now listen, I think that having a dialogue with the referee is good and important and necessary. Okay. You, the, you need to explain to the ref, you know, about what you're doing, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the complaining, you can't be thinking about what just happened all the time. You need to have your head focused on the next play. And Ime himself, Pat, he said in the beginning of the year, we're not going to be a team that's, I believe the quote was no bitching at the ref basically is what Ime said in the beginning of the year. And I think the Celtics need to get more to that next play type of attitude as opposed to complaining about every single whistle. Because, Pat, I also said this before the show, okay, the refs weren't great, whatever. The refs are not why the Celtics lost this game. Uh, you can't really pin your – you can't really pin this game on the refs however you try and spin it. When you have 18 turnovers, missed layups, missed free throws, uh, only three shots for your best player and 10 minutes of play in the fourth quarter. So uh, – I just think the Celtics need to shift their focus away from the referees. I hate to sound like an old-timey, you know, old-timer, you know, getting on them for complaining about the officials, but it's more of like a philosophical thing for me. you got to put that last play behind you and move on and move forward. And if you're complaining to the ref about what just happened, you cannot, you can't be thinking about, you know, what's next. You're still thinking about. Yeah, and uh, and I think tonight, you know, I understand that you you uh, your take on that is like to get back on defense and and not let it affect your next play. Tatum got that technical tonight when he was um at the free throw line, just jawing at the ref and stuff like that. And even though well, the bad, t- I'm not gonna lie, the ref shouldn't have given him the tech. He should have. It was kind he of have. Tatum was complaining, and yes, okay, he should not have been complaining, but Lowry pretty much walks over to him and whispers something, probably to the effect of. Damn, you're going to let him talk to you like that? And then, you know, Tatum hadn't talked for about five seconds. And the ref goes, whoop, and blows for the technical. So that was pretty – some savvy veteranship there by Kyle. Yeah, and then also the, you had uh, Jason Tatum walk over to, like, his mom and, and Deuce in the, in the stands. It was like, I didn't even do nothing. Like, uh, um, you, you definitely were jawing at the ref. I don't think that tech was um, necessary. But, like, like, again, like, that's a crucial moment in the game, right? You're, you're going to halftime. And the guys at the free throw line to tie the game, and that free throw then puts them up going into halftime. I mean, you're you're just swinging points, free points every time. And in a game against a high level competitor like Miami Heat, 
those technical fouls are huge, right? And then you also had Marcus Smart get thrown out of the game at the end, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. Uh, just, just overall, fitting, uh, you just <laughs> fitting, pat, fitting pat on Tommy Knight that the Celtics could not handle the refs. I mean, listen, <laughs> I just want to say RIP Tommy Hudson, but yeah, the Celtics lose another game in which somebody or something is being honored. They couldn't win on Paul Pierce jersey retirement night. They couldn't win on KG jersey retirement night, and we can't win on Tommy Knight. Uh, so my advice is just stop honoring people, you know, during games that matter, I guess, because yeah. <laughs> it feels like the Celtics can never win these games. But I think it is fitting that the Celtics couldn't deal with the refs on Tommy Knight. That's funny. You know Tommy would have been riding the refs tonight if he was still uh, still alive. Yeah, and and like we also stated, like you you miss layups, right? We we t- we didn't really talk about Grant Williams, but Grant Williams was awful tonight. He was god awful. He missed open three pointers. He wasn't great on defense. He he got mixed up on defense plenty of times. Got scored on a bunch of times, and then he had a miss blown layup. I I mean he just had some gimmies that were just not there for him. And we talked about it last show about how like. He's one of the guys that's going to be crucial for the Celtics in the playoffs, right? You, he took a big jump, started becoming a real three-point threat in the corner, you know, and a big role player. How can you depend on somebody like that when they kind of shy away against big teams like this? You need that confidence from that player. You need him to be able to step up and and just be calm. I'm not asking Grant to, to be a big-time player in these moments, but – be a threat. You know, I felt like uh, he was a negative asset tonight and that's something concerning. I know he's been thrown into the starting role with the whole Rob Williams situation, but need, need a little bit better game from Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams is even half as good as he's been all season. Maybe we win this game because he hits maybe one of those threes and makes a layup and that's five points, you know, instead of being down late four, you know, maybe we're up one or something like that, but you can't make up scenarios like that. You know, you have to live with how the game played out. Yeah. Grant overall didn't play great, and we had 18 turnovers. We missed six free throws, and we missed some layups. Like, that's just – you can't do that against a good team and expect to win. Yeah. And as far as Grant goes, I mean, I definitely agree. He did not play well tonight. He had a couple, like, kind of just WTF sort of plays, like, you know, when he dove for the loose ball. And then he just kind of laid there with it, and we had to burn our second time out of the first quarter. Not that that came back to bite us. Um, but Grant's got it. I don't know. That's, it just feels like he's in a little bit of a funk. And I think adding this starting role to him, it might take him a few games. I'll give him, I'll cut him some slack. You know, I'll give him a little bit of leeway, you know, for a few games getting adjusted to this role, but make no mistake. He's got to raise his level of play back to where it was, you know, going into the playoffs. Cause if Grant is not making threes, uh, and you know, not defending well, that's going to be a big, big loss for us. However, I don't think he was like God awful. He talked a couple of closeouts pretty well, um, but he didn't have his best game tonight, and I think that's going to come with a little bit of a change in a role, you know, with Rob going down. So I would say don't kill him, Celtics fans, yet. I know Celtics fans friggin' killed this guy last season. I mean, he was terrible last season, but just remember Grant's been quite good, and he's adjusting to a new role, so let's not kill him too hard. But tonight, definitely not his best night. Um, there's no way, no way you can chop it up to make – to be a good night for Grant. Uh, and then Derek White also, you know, still missing shots, man. I mean, he was one of – I believe he was what, one of three on threes tonight, one of one of four. Um, he was wonderful in all other areas of the game. A couple of iffy calls, you know, that, you know, kind of reflect poorly on, you know, him, you know, the narrative of the game. But I do think uh, Derek White's shooting 
it's on the back of my mind. I wouldn't say it's at the forefront of the problems the Celtics have at the very moment, but that is going to be a little bit of an issue because we saw the teams. Listen, we saw the heat. We saw them start to leave that strong side corner wide open because they knew it was going to be Derek White. And now he did hit a big one at the end of the game. And I'm not saying that he can't get back to a good level of 33, 34% from three. I mean, obviously not in the season, but just in general. You know, if he starts shooting at that clip, um, that would do a lot for the Celtics. But that is going to be something to note for the playoffs because teams are just going to start leaving him wide open if he can't shoot. So we'll see how that affects the Celtics. Yeah, I remember you, Lucas, being um, being like a 2 out of 10 on the worry scale with Derek White just about three weeks ago with his shooting. You thought he can turn it around and stuff like that. Where on that scale would you kind of tip? Are you more now around the 4, four 6 range kind of? Or are you right around there? I would say I probably doubled up and worry about to a 4, 4 out of 10. Maybe a 4 five. out of 10. Okay. Because, yeah. because I do – and we talked about this literally last show. You know, he's not the type of guy who's just going to chuck. If he's 0 of 5, he's not going to go 0 of 9. He's going to – if they're leaving him wide open, he's going to attack off the dribble and then try and make a play. So I do – that's why, like, my worry level is, is not going to skyrocket to, like, a 10 or something like that because, well, it's not great, obviously. You know, we need him to be making open three-pointers as, you know, a point guard, shooting guard, combo guard. Um, he's not the type of guy that I think is just going to be something like – remember what Terry did that one game. You know, he just kept shooting and kept shooting. That's not the type of player that Derek White is, so that's why my I'm not going to leap to like an eight. How about you though, Pat? Where are you at on that? Honestly, and before you go, Pat, this is specifically about his shooting. Okay, I am not. Yeah, specifically about shooting. Yeah, yeah, strictly shooting. Um, as far as his shooting goes, I think I'm still at like a two. Like I was thinking about a two, maybe a three. Like, and for some reasons, like you are not not going to be going over the top with it. Is that? It's the same with like smart in a sense where it's like I feel like shot selection wise, it's his shot selection is so good that it doesn't worry me. Like him shooting twenty percent from three is not gonna make or break this team, I don't think, in any type of series. But I do think if he's able to shoot forty percent from deep, it could make a series, if that makes sense. So I, I think his shooting could help us win the series, but I don't think his lack of shooting can make us lose a series. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you. I do think that it has, but I do think him shooting poorly has is going to have the propensity to affect us negatively, though. I mean, no, no matter how you want, uh, maybe it won't lose a series per se, but still, just the fact that a team is has the potential to, to you know, load up inside, load up the paint because they don't have to worry about closing out to Derek White, that could have some serious negative repercussions. I mean, we saw it tonight, Pat. I mean. Tatum, Tatum was essentially taken out of the game in the fourth quarter. He took three shots. Like I said at the beginning of the show, he didn't score till there was about two minutes left, two and a half minutes left. And we were talking about a pre-show. You know, I said that he kind of disappeared, and you mentioned that it was the Heat's defense. Well, honestly, if it's less to do with Tatum's assertiveness and more to do with the Heat's defense, that should make the sub. That should make us more worried because if they can just take him out of a, of a fourth quarter because of the lack of shooting on the court. You know, mainly Derek White, you know, by by cramping down the paint, you know, loading up in the paint. That's that's a cause for concern to me. So I don't know if I necessarily agree. I think that uh, I think that Derek White shooting definitely could be not just Derek White. I don't want to pin this all on D White, but just the lack of overall space knockdown shooters definitely could uh, lose the Celtics the series. Say we matched up with the Heat somehow. 
I'd be worried. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see the negative parts of that. Um, something also that'd be really negative um, is that if you go into the summertime and your beard is looking pretty musty because you haven't been keeping up with it and trimming it, you guys need to make sure you guys head over to our buddies over at manscaped.com. Make sure you guys are using HoopBall20 code to get 20% off. It's very important with the summer and springtime coming up, the warm weather. You guys need to get out there. Make sure you guys is looking really nice and trimmed up. You know, get – Get yourself all that hair off your body, also your private parts as well. Make sure you're all nice and trimmed there. Make sure you're not sweating you know, too much throughout the summertime. Just go ahead over to manscaped.com and get that 20% off by using HoopBall20. Yes, sir, Patrick. Uh, I'm right there with you. You know, it's March. Seen a lot of wild facial hairs at the, uh, the uh, NCAA tournament from guys like uh, Doug on St. Pete's um, to Brady Manic on UNC. You know, you're going to want to – whether or not you like those uh, – you like those facial hairstyles. You know they keep it clean. Uh, they probably use Manscaped themselves. So go on over to Manscaped.com and use Football 20 to get your – Absolutely. And uh, another quote here, you know, from Ime and, and Al Horford, it, it seemed like after this loss that they were both pretty optimistic. So um, both looking at this loss as a good lesson learned at a good time. They acknowledge the execution was poor, but they say that this is a good thing for a team to go through at this time of the season. So uh, just a little optimism from our coach and uh, the veteran on the roster. I I agree with them, though. Like, this is the time to have these lapses, right? If you're going to struggle and Tatum has gets doubled and they're going to take him out of the game, you figure out – now you have film on it, right? Instead of it being two games into a series and you're like, wow, we need to find a way to open it up for our best player. Now you got some film on it prior to going into the playoffs uh, pretty recently. The ability to adjust and adapt moving forward is going to be important. I'm sure they're going to be in the film room. I know I trust an email in making it easier for Tatum, maybe getting him more touches me in the post where he gets switched onto a smaller guy real quick and they just kind of give it to him and he's able to go to work within like a couple seconds rather than him trying to create. Uh, I think that's something they're going to have to go to is Tatum might not be able to ball handle as much in the fourth quarter because teams are going to try to take that away from him. They're going to come over. They're going to double him. They're going to force the ball out of his hands. So a way for Tatum to kind of counteract that and the Celtics in general, I think is kind of getting Tatum the ball when he's in an action or in a position where he can make a move pretty quickly. 100%. I 100% agree with Iman, Al, and you, Pat, that – this is the time you want to figure this stuff out. Having the tape on it, may being able to sit in a film study session, looking at, okay, how did Jason only manage three shots? What can we do to counteract it? And I actually do like your idea, Pat, of the post. Uh, I've always been uh, you know, a proponent of getting Jason in the post. He can playmake pretty well out of the post. Let me just say, his playmaking is unbelievable. I mean, he makes these skip passes off the dribble uh, that you can't even see until after he makes the pass pretty much. So... I think that people wouldn't knock Tatum's playmaking as much. We've said this for a while now, as if he had some more consistent shooters around him. But uh, that's a conversation maybe for another day. But I do think getting him in the high post, maybe even the mid post, you know, could definitely go a long way to scheming up some buckets for Tatum. So Because, Patrick, he can't disappear in the fourth. You know, whether it's because the Heat took him out, whether it's because he wasn't assertive. If Jason is not scoring to those two minutes left in the fourth quarter of a close game, we're probably losing. It's just the truth. He's our best player, and we need him to come through when it counts. And he usually does. He usually plays well in the fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, tonight against a top-tier Eastern Conference opponent, 
I'm not. It's just, I'm not hitting the panic button or nothing, but definitely some adjustments will have to be made. You know, seeing how he was treated. Yeah, and I think uh, Lucas, you'll you'll agree with this, but I think that with Tatum like not not being effective in the fourth quarter here, it's not all on Tatum. I think it's also on Eme, right? And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a that's a learning point, and that's why I think Eme and Al Horford stated like this is a good time for it to happen for them to learn from it, and. You know, part of it's still on Tatum. I'm not trying to take any blame away from Tatum, but we can't also put it all on Tatum. Like, it's also the job of the coach to put their best player in the best position so that he can do what he does. And I don't think watching, you know, that fourth quarter, Jason Tatum was on the perimeter a lot. Like, if you're going to be on the perimeter, yeah, I'm going to double your best player. You're not going to go in and put him, you know, in the middle of the paint at all. You're not going to try to post him up. You're not going to try to, you know, get a switch with him or anything like that. You're going to give him the ball, have him dribble from, um, you know, three, four feet away from the three-point line and then not expect us to throw two guys at him to get the ball out of his hands. Like, Miami did exactly what they should have done, and I don't think the Celtics did enough play-wise down the stretch to get Jason Tatum open. Um, So I think that is a good learning lesson. I do think moving forward, they will see Jason Tatum get the ball down the stretch in, a, in better positions. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm definitely with you. A lot of that responsibility falls on the coach, but, you know, a lot of it falls on Jason as well. I don't think it's, you know, as black and white as a lot of people are going to make it out to be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just time to look forward. we got the Bucks coming up. A lot of big games. Use this game as a learning experience, you know, and try and, you know, go into the playoffs on a positive note. Uh, right now we're the four seed. Uh, we'd be matched up with Chicago in the first round, which Chicago is towards the top of the list of the teams I want to play in the first round, knowing that we're not going to be a full strength. And I know you feel the same. Yeah, but I, I also think I, I'm looking at the standings right now, Lucas, and, and I'm thinking that this might we're really in destiny of like our own fate right now. Um, how I'm seeing it is, you know, Miami's in the first seed. We're at the four. We, we probably finished fourth or third, I'm guessing. You know, there's still an opportunity for that first seed. I just think it's less likely now with this loss that we get the first seed. And, you know, fourth or third seed, we're looking at the Cavs or Bulls. So we're looking at the ideal matchup we wanted in the first round as well. The only reason I really wanted the first seed was home home court advantage. I still like home court advantage for the Boston Celtics when they can get it, especially, you know, in a second game, you know, in a second series. Like you're going against my say you go against Miami again. Like I would rather have four games at home than than on the road. And that's something that that's gonna you know maybe hurt down the line if we don't not getting it. So I also think that playing one of these other teams is is great as far as matchup wise of what we want without Robert Williams right now. And then as well as like I think the best situation for us would be we get the four seed and the Sixers get the first seed and then maybe Miami plays get second seed and they get the Brooklyn or Bucks get second seed and they play Brooklyn and then the winner's got to play the winner like either Miami or, or the Bucks. You know, I think that the if the Bucks, Miami and the, the Nets end up having to go through each other in the first and second rounds, that would be the most ideal, right? And say we get the Bulls for round one and then the Sixers round two. I think that would put us in, in a very more comfortable position going in and, and a better path for us to reach the Eastern Conference final. Oh, yeah, that will be glorious, Pat. Are you serious? Bulls round one, Sixers round two. Come on, that I'm 100% with you. That is our best-case scenario. That keeps us away from the Heat, keeps us away from the Raptors, who, you know, every time we go into 
a battle with them. It feels like it's going to be a friggin' bloodbath. Same thing with the Heat. Obviously, you know, I don't want to play the Nets. You know, they have, depending on who you ask, one of the three best players in the world. And then a guy who can pretty much beat any half-court defense just by being the best ball handler in NBA history, pretty much. Um, so you want to stay away from them. But listen, Patrick, if you can speak out into existence, if you can speak the Bulls and then the Sixers into existence, oh, that would be uh, the best. That would pretty much be the best birthday present I could ever ask for because my my uh, my birthday is right around NBA playoff time. So if that happened, Patrick, I'll be doing that. Yeah, I would also be doing cartwheels with you, man. We we go on live or something and just do some cartwheels for all the all the listeners. No, we're kidding, yeah, but no uh, Celtics do no have nobody wants to buy a cartwheel. I don't think I'm athletic enough for that anymore, man. Uh, also, five games left in the in the season for the Celtics. I know five games crazy. Five games in April. They got the Pacers coming up on Friday, Wizards on Sundays, and then they got Bulls, Bucks, and Grizzlies to finish out the year. They would need to win three out of the five games to finish the year at 50 wins. Uh, I want to see the 50 wins, man. I know we predicted over 50 wins, I think, in the preseason, so – to get them to reach the 50 wins, I think that'd be amazing. Well, listen, I would love 50 wins. I don't want to jockey for position. I want to just win as many games as we can, play who we got to play, and just hopefully it ends up being a team like the Cavs or the Bulls or, you know, even somehow the Sixers if that worked out. But I would love to see 50 wins, Patrick, because 50 wins seemed like a friggin' A long shot in uh, in November in our you know in that first couple months of the season when the Celtics were hovering around 500 just under 500 didn't really seem like that was a uh, 23 and 24 Patrick was our record and we have a chance to finish with 50 wins that just really goes to show how amazing this turnaround was and uh, you know I don't know just don't want to take this for granted I mean they played great basketball and it sucks that Rob's getting injured but really what the Celtics did over the second half of the season. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Um, can't wait to see how the Celtics finish out the season. Overall, take from tonight's game, though, not really too worried. Uh, understanding that this team has still some flaws that we need to learn on. We, you know, it's only second game without Robert Williams. Really, the first game, if you think about it, without um, you know having the rest of the guys come back. So hopefully, this team can get it together, build off of it look at some film, see what they need to do and improve in and make up for what Robert Williams brought to the table and, and try to make a strong momentum push towards the playoffs and, and go to the playoffs with some momentum. Yes, sir. That's all you can really do. And that does wrap things up, right? Do you have anything else left to say? That's pretty much it for me. Um, yeah, I got nothing else, Pat. Just looking forward to the last. Can't believe there's only five games left in the season, man. Time flies, man. feels like the start of the season was just yesterday. Make sure you guys head over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That stuff helps us out so much, man. Please grab your parents, grab your cousins, grab your friends, phone, and just leave us a rating for us. It helps us out so much. Uh, we do appreciate everybody who comes on to Spotify Greenroom for our live listen shows. We do most of our podcasts here. So you can actually catch the show live, and if you miss it, you can always head over to those platforms and go ahead and give us a, a nice listen, as well as follow us on Twitter at Ethos Celtics. Uh, as I do uh, a lot of the tweeting from that account during games, uh, we, we also post any type of breaking news and anything like that. You can also follow me at Ball and Opinions on Twitter and Luke us at Luca underscore Gainer for any Celtics content. Yes, sir.
Appreciate everybody who tunes in live. Appreciate everybody who tunes in after the fact. I feel like I said this every show, but it's because I mean it. This means a whole lot to me. Uh, everybody's listening, so shout out to every single one of you. And yeah, Pat does a lot of the live tweeting. I'm far too focused on the game to rattle off any sort of good tweet at all. I'm not good at things like that. I'll tweet after the game. I'll just tweet, you know, in general. I'm not really a great live tweeter, but uh, go ahead and follow Pat for the live game updates. And uh, yeah, that's pretty. Much- yeah, man. And also, don't don't let Lucas humble himself out of it, though. He does uh, get those tweets out for the show, so look out for the tweets as well. If you miss uh, anything else here, say you came in a little late, go look, go follow us on twitter lucas tweets out the the show on twitter as well so he does a good job of that as well so thank you guys again for stopping by uh me and lucas will catch you guys on the flip side good night